In 2012, a 19-year-old man from Washington State named Dakota Guerin was charged with stealing a rare coin collection worth at least $100,000. After Guerin had completed some part-time work for a woman living in Portland, uh, the woman reported that her family coin collection was missing. Her collection included a variety of rare and valuable coins, including Liberty Headquarters, Morgan Dollars, and other coins dating back to the early 1800s. Initially, Guerin denied any involvement, claiming that the police didn't have any evidence against him. But then he started spending the coins at face value, unaware of the coins' real worth. He and his girlfriend paid for movie tickets using quarters worth between $5 and $68 apiece. Later that day, they bought some uh, pizza at the, uh, at the local pizza place with these rare coins, including a Liberty Quarter that was worth $18,500. The kid didn't realize what he had. He didn't appreciate the worth and the value of the coins. He had them in his hands, but he didn't understand. How often can that be true of us? We don't realize the value of what we already have. We don't appreciate the worth, the true significance of what we already have, only seeking for something more, something new, something better. And in the process of spending our lives for the next thing, we miss out on what is really important and what's really valuable and what's really meaningful. And it's been right there in front of us all along. We search for something more, something more to, to do when all along, right now, in our lives, are some of the most important and valuable moments. And we're just allowing that to slip away, friends and family and parents and children. And Jesus. See, Jesus was at Martha and Mary's house. One was lost and serving, while the other was found learning at Jesus' feet. Well, how about us? If, if we had Jesus over to our house, be honest, now think about it. Will we be more focused on getting the house ready and getting supper ready than we would be focused on spending time with Jesus? So please turn in your Bibles with me to this great story in Luke chapter 10. Luke chapter 10, starting at verse 38. It says, Now as they went on their way, Jesus entered a village. And a woman named Martha welcomed him into her house. And she had a sister called Mary, who sat at the Lord's feet and listened to his teaching. But Martha was distracted with much serving. And she went up to him and said, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to serve alone? Tell her then to help me. But the Lord answered her, Martha, Martha, you are anxious and troubled about many things. But one thing is necessary. Mary has chosen the good portion which will not be taken away from her. Father, now we come before you, opening up your word, 
for the good portion. Lord, for the learning, for the teaching now, for your spirit to move within us and use these words of the scripture to feed us and to challenge us, to give us new insight into our own lives and into the scriptures. So we come to you now this morning, opening up our hearts and lives uh, to learn from you. In Jesus' name, amen. See, this passage that we just read is a passage about priorities. Jesus is teaching a lesson here to all of us about what he thinks about what is most important. And it's a lesson that many of us need to learn. You see, we live in a culture that values doing over being. That values accomplishments over maturity. That values achievement over learning. In our work, there are quotas to meet. There are higher percentages of productivity that we are to meet. There's focus on higher sales or to build more widgets. It's all about doing and accomplishing and bigger and greater and more. You know, our families can become like that. They become places focused on achieving, on serving, on doing your part. We have this question in our culture that resonates with this attitude, right? What have you done for me lately. Sadly, often, um, you know, doing over being becomes a focus of the church as well. And even more discouraging, often doing over being becomes the reality of our own relationships towards Christ. We can tend to think that serving and helping and doing is what's most important at church. I come to church to serve. What the church wants from me, first of all, is my service. We can tend to think that what God really wants from me is my service. That the main reason Jesus saved me was for me to serve him. That his first priority is for me doing for him. Now, of course, the church wants and needs people to serve. It's all throughout the scriptures. The the church would cease to exist if we didn't serve each other and serve our community. The question isn't, are we to serve? The question Jesus is addressing here is, is serving the first priority. And of course, Jesus wants us to serve him. And yes, Jesus did save us so that we could serve him. But is that the first and highest priority? In your work to earn status in this world, you could fall into the trap thinking that that's what God wants for me too. We can start to think uh, that the first thing God wants from me is to earn, to accomplish, to serve, to give. God wants action. But in this encounter with Jesus, we learn something. That what Jesus wants, first of all, that what is of his highest concern is who we are and who we are becoming before what we are doing and how we are serving. God's first priority is our commitment to him rather than our achieving for him. God's first priority is sitting at his feet, listening and learning, rather than the busyness of serving. God first wants our worship, then he wants our service. He wants our service to flow out of our worship and relationship with him. When we turn that around, when we put service over worship, we put ourselves, our priorities, our focus, our fulfillment first, Our service often becomes about us accomplishing things. You know, Jesus condemns that attitude of service before worship when 
Jesus says to the Pharisees of his day, they honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. We can think that we're honoring God with our actions and service, when in reality our hearts can be far from God. We can deceive ourselves into thinking that what God wants first of all is our action. When in reality we know, deep down we know that what God really wants first of all is our hearts. This passage is not picturing inactivity versus activity, service versus worship, action versus becoming some cloistered monk somewhere. The point isn't that one is better than the other but that one is of a higher priority than the other. Serving and worship are not rivals, but for them both to to be done best, there is a priority. Jesus in our passage today is saying that listening to him, listening and learning from his word is the foundation for a life of service to God. God is first of all concerned about who we are, and then about what? We do for him. You see, Martha had the wrong focus. It seems as you read the scriptures that Jesus stayed often with uh, Martha and Mary. They lived in this little town called Bethany, which was just on the other side of the Mount of Olives, just a, a short mile or two walk from Jerusalem. As you put the stories of the Bible together, these uh, with these two sisters, we learn that they had a brother. They had a brother named Lazarus. Yes, it's that Lazarus, it's their brother, the one that Jesus rose from the dead after being in the grave for four days. It seems like perhaps Martha here was the eldest, because as verse 38 mentions, that it's her house. It also seems that Martha had the gift of hospitality. She liked to have people over. I'm sure she especially liked to have Jesus over to her house. That's a good thing, that's a, a godly thing. But sometimes it's the very things that we are good at that can often become the very things that trip us up. Our strengths and so eat so quickly and so easily become our failings. Because we can so quickly start to do our strengths in our own strengths and with our own agendas and for our own purposes. Martha was a good host. But on this occasion, she let her service become more important than the one she was serving. I think that sometimes we can get the focus of this passage all blurred. The focus of this passage is not that Martha did everything and Mary did nothing. I'm sure that Mary did her part. Preparing for Jesus upon his arrival and all that. It's not that Martha did all the work and Mary did none of the work. Verse 40 says that Martha had become distracted with much serving. She was going overboard. On this occasion, her hospitality had gotten the best of her. Instead of focusing on Jesus, she was focused on serving. Instead of just preparing a nice meal, she wanted to go above and beyond. She wanted to do something special. Instead of just a nice meal, she kept adding one more thing and just one more thing and then just one more thing. Her focus was on doing making the meal to meet her expectations. Jesus didn't have these expectations on her. Jesus wasn't asking her to do so much. She was putting that pressure on herself. It's not that the task was too much for Martha, and that's why she wanted help. 
but that she had made the task more than it needed to be. She was putting so much pressure on herself that Jesus says in verse 41 that she's becoming anxious and troubled. She had lost sight of the fact that Jesus was in her house and instead was only focused on herself. She had stumbled over the obvious. She was so focused on doing that she failed to see who was sitting on her couch. Jesus was teaching eternal truths in her house. And all she could think about was getting done what she wanted to do. Her priorities were out of order. Now, Martha's not a bad person. Martha's not deliberately trying to mess up. She is well-meaning. She wants to give Jesus a great meal. That's not wrong or a sinful idea. The problem isn't the meal. The problem is her attitude towards the meal. The problem isn't the meal. The problem is her priority of putting the meal over learning from Jesus. Her desire was to do a good thing. But her zeal became misguided. Her attempt to do a good thing was keeping her from doing the better thing, the necessary thing, as Jesus put it. You get the feel from the story that at first everything was all right. She was preparing and Mary and Jesus were talking in the living room. Then as it got longer and longer, and the preparation got harder and harder, her attitude started to change. She was distracted with much serving. And then she started to become irritated and agitated with all the preparations she had yet to do for dinner. At first it was okay, but now it's becoming frustrating and then she starts to become angry. Soon the noise level is increasing from the kitchen. We all know that noise level, right? As a cook starts to get frustrated, pots and pans and dishes all seem to hit the counter just a little louder and hit each other just a little bit louder. Finally, her attitude is so shot, right? She goes to tell Jesus what to do. You ever notice that when our attitude tanks, we start telling God what he's supposed to do? See, she can't take it any longer, so she starts to complain. We've all been there. We have all had just about enough. Just about all that we can handle. And then outflows from our mouths what's been brewing in our hearts. For Jesus said, out of the heart the mouth speaks. And then we end up saying something that in just a few short minutes we regret. See, Martha is so focused on her perceived injustice that the first thing she says to Jesus is, Lord, don't you care? Can't you see I'm struggling here? Can't you see I'm working all alone? Don't you care? She's not thinking about what Jesus wants. She's not thinking about what's best for Mary. She's not even thinking about what is best for herself. All Martha is thinking about is her plan. Her plan is being thwarted and nobody cares. I want to do this and everybody else needs to stop what they are doing and help me do what I want to do, what I am doing. The reality is that there's only one person ever to whom don't you care is not a real question. And that person is Jesus. You see, in this moment, Jesus cares about her, you know, infinitely. He cares about the situation greatly, more than she could ever even understand. It's not that Jesus doesn't care, but that because he isn't doing what she thinks he should be doing, she feels 
like Jesus doesn't care. Now that's real. And that's us. There's never one time in our lives when Jesus doesn't care. There's never one time in our lives where Jesus' love is not surrounding us and supporting us. But when bad things start to happen or when things don't go the way we want, we can start to feel like Jesus isn't there. We can start to feel like he doesn't care. She wants Jesus to acknowledge her special service and then order Mary to come help her. She wants Jesus to fix her predicament that she's in, not by fixing her, but by helping her do what she wants to do. Tell her to help me. Now again, Martha's not a bad person. She's a real person, just like us. We do this. We get so caught up in our things. We get so distracted from what Jesus is really trying to do. We get so anxious and troubled by our many things that instead of focusing on what God is doing and God changing us, we get all focused on how we want God to help us do what we want. And then when he doesn't do it, we complain. When the whole time he is actually trying to help us. When the whole time he is actually trying to teach us. When the whole time he's actually caring for us, speaking true, life-giving words, and all we want is for him to do what we want. See, Martha had created this situation, and now she's at the end of her rope, and now she's upset at Jesus and Mary for not helping her. Her priorities were out of whack. She was serving out of her own strength, totally missing the fact that Jesus was teaching eternal truths on the couch in her living room. This one thing I do, she's saying, I will serve Jesus. I will do for Jesus. I will work for Jesus. But Jesus says, no. No, Martha, that's the wrong priority. One thing is necessary. And that's the good portion. Listening and learning from me. Now, before we look at Jesus' most tender response to Martha, I want to make a little side trip here. I'm going to take an exit ramp off of the sermon for a few moments. Okay, these thoughts aren't part of this passage at all. But I think they could be very helpful. Yes, Martha created this situation that she was in. It was her expectations. It was her plan. But once she started to realize that she was getting distracted by much serving, once she started to realize that anxiety and trouble was brewing in her heart, how could she have responded? Think about that now with me. How could she have responded? You know, it's hard not to give in to our feelings. It's hard not to lash out when you feel like you're missing out. But if she was able to first think and then respond, as is always the challenge for all of us, she might have said something like this. Lord, I'm, I'm in a little over my head and I'm starting to feel frustrated. I know that I've planned too much and I still have several things to do and now I feel like I'm missing out. Would it be all right if Mary would help me finish so that I could come and listen to your teaching too? See, she takes responsibility for her actions, she shares her feelings, and she kindly asks for help. It's a lot different from, don't you care? Tell Mary to help me. No banging pots, no harsh words, 
but honest words, honesty, but honest words that appeal for help. You see, responding out of our feelings of frustration in a godly manner is actually the best way to help get the encouragement and the help that you need and that you want. Think, then respond, is better than feel, then react. Now, on a very practical note, especially on this Mother's Day, let me say this to all of us and to my own ears. Help her. Help her. Don't you sometimes read the story and just want to jump in the story and go help Martha in the kitchen? See, now, now Jesus is teaching an important spiritual lesson. Jesus is, you know, in the living room teaching, and she thought that what she was doing was a higher priority, that her plan was more important. That's the bottom line message from our passage today. But it's very important. This is a very important point. Purely practical point. None of us are ever going to have Jesus teaching in our living rooms while the mom is cooking in the kitchen. That specific scenario will never, ever work out that way. What's the scenario that works out? How is it going to look like? The husband is going to be sitting on the couch watching sports, right? The kids are going to have their electronic devices in their hands, doing their thing, and mom is going to be slaving away in the kitchen. And then what happens? Slowly you hear the noise level increasing in the kitchen as she once again is feeling like she's been taken granted, you know, taken for granted. Once again she's feeling like she's the servant of the household. That she has to work while everyone else gets to relax and do what they want. So what should we do? Get up and help her. Get off the couch, put down the electronic device, Go help your wife. Go help your mom. There is nobody in your life who has ever sacrificed more for, for you than your mother. And there's no one in your life who gives you more help than your wife. So we need to go help her. If there's anyone who feels more put upon than a mom, they work so hard, they serve lovingly day in and day out with very little recognition. So today, on this Mother's Day, not only do we say thank you, but we also say we will do better in getting off the couch and getting into the kitchen to help out. Okay, now back to the previously scheduled sermon that we had. We'll take the entrance ramp back onto our message. So please note with me how Jesus did respond to Martha. Martha is snippy. She's somewhat demanding of Jesus. So how does Jesus respond? Look at, look at verse 41. It's precious. Jesus says, Jesus says her name twice. Perhaps once to get her attention, and then a second time to set the tone. Martha, Martha, you're anxious and troubled about many things, but one thing is necessary. I'm sure he talked to her in very understanding, a sensitive way. Jesus responds to Martha with tenderness and kindness doesn't respond to her back the way that she talked with him. He doesn't give her what she deserves. He responds with grace and compassion and with care. That's how Jesus responds to us when we lose sight of his priorities and start asking him to do what we want. Martha, Martha, you're all caught up in serving me. You've overburdened yourself with your own focus. But there is one thing that is necessary. There is one thing that is of first importance. 
knowing me and learning from me. My words are more important than your service. You hear Jesus say that to you today. My words are more important than your service. Jesus wants our company first. Jesus wants our relationship with him first. Jesus wants our worship and learning first. Then, out of the resources that that builds up in our lives, then we serve him. Maybe Jesus is saying your name today. Maybe he's saying it twice to you with an understanding and sensitive tone. And he is kindly and tenderly saying to you right now, stop putting what you want first. And start putting me first. We need to stop putting our agenda first and start putting God's agenda first. And, and first on his list is knowing him, listening to him, hearing his word, and then service. David in Psalm 27.4 says, One thing I have asked from the Lord, one thing will I seek after, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to gaze upon the beauty of the Lord and to inquire in his temple. One thing, the highest thing, David says, worship God. Get to know him. That's the good portion. That's the good portion that Mary chose We encounter Mary of Bethany here three times in the Bible. First, here's in our passage where we find her. Where do we find her? We find her at the feet of Jesus, listening and learning. The second time uh, we find uh, Mary of Bethany is at the raising of her brother Lazarus from the dead in John chapter 11. She encounters Jesus before he has raised her brother from the dead, in verse 32, and says, Now when Mary came to where Jesus was and saw him, she fell at his feet. Then the third time we see Mary is in John chapter 12. This is at the beginning of the very last week of Jesus' life on this earth, before his crucifixion. He again is at dinner in Bethany with Martha serving, with Lazarus at the table, And verse 3 says, Mary therefore took a pound of expensive ointment made from pure nard and anointed the feet of Jesus and wiped his feet with her hair. We see Mary of Bethany three times in the Bible. Three times. All three times she's at Jesus' feet. All three times listening, learning, loving, Worshiping, the posture of her body expressing the posture of her heart, willingly learning, expectantly asking, abundantly expressing her worship. The spirit of a of a servant of Christ loves to hear the words of Christ. The spirit of the servant of Christ loves to expectantly ask in prayer to Christ. The spirit of the servant of Christ loves to abundantly worship Christ. All done from a posture of submission to the Lordship of Christ in her life, at his feet. Folks, can't you see what Jesus is trying to teach us in this passage? He's trying to, he's trying to give us the good portion. He wants what's best for us. Putting him first gives us the good portion of life. Real, abundant, eternal life. Where's the space in your life where where you are cultivating your heart to listen to his voice, to talk with him and to worship him. 
Church is a very important time to do that. Church is God's designed place for you to listen to His Word, to talk with Him in prayer, to worship Him. It's critically important that church be a high priority in all of our lives as we seek God, to live out Him as the highest priority of our lives, to know Him, to be in relationship with Him. But church is as important of a meal as it is for us is not enough spiritual food to carry you all through the week. So where is the space in your personal life, your Monday through Saturday life, where are you listening to his voice and studying his word? Where are you talking with him in prayer? Where are you worshiping him in your life? Our challenge today is to make God's priority our priority. Haddon Robinson tells this story that he had heard from another pastor. He says there was this couple in this church, a mother and a son. The father had died when the boy was young, and the mother and son had a very unique relationship. This was back before television, and folks would spend evenings listening to the radio or reading to one another. They both enjoyed listening to good music. Theirs was a special relationship. In his early 20s, he met a young woman at church, fell in love with her, and they decided to get married. Back then, during World War II, housing in large cities was very difficult to get. The mother, knowing that they wanted to get married, said, well, we have a two-story house. I can make an apartment for myself on the second story, and you and your bride can live on the first story. The only thing I ask is that when we, we get a chance to spend time together, because I'm going to miss the reading and the music together. Her son said, Mother, you can be sure of that. It's, it's important to me, too. Well, the couple had married, and for a while, uh, they continued with the son stopping by a couple of times a week and spent some time together, but then he became busy, and eventually days and actually weeks went by with only a phone call from downstairs or a brief glimpse, and the relationship was not what it had been. On the mother's birthday, the young man brought his mother this, this lovely dress. He brought it to her and said, Happy birthday, Mom. She opened the package and looked at the dress. Oh, son, thank you. I appreciate so much what you've done. He said, Mother, don't you like it? She said, Oh, yes, I do. It's my color. Thank you. He said, Mother, I, I have the sales slip. They said I can, I can take it back. She said, no, no, it's a lovely dress. He said, Mother, you don't fool me. We've been together too long. What's wrong? The woman turned and opened her closet. She said, Son, I have enough dresses there to last the rest of my life. I guess all I want to say is that I don't want your dress. I want you. I guess all I want to say is I don't want your dress. I want you. See, that's exactly what Jesus is saying to each one of us right now from this passage. I don't want what you can do for me. I don't want what you can give to me. I want you. I choose you. That's what Jesus is telling us today. Let's pray. Father, we thank you so much that we 
we're Jesus' highest priority. That we, these sinners, all of us, so, so you know, choosing our own sin, but, but Jesus said, no, you're my highest priority. I have come to seek and to save you. I have come to give my life as a ransom for you. I have come to show you the greatest love that you could ever know. I have come to die for your sins and then to rise again. You are my highest priority. Jesus, thank you. Thank you that you chose us. That you want us. Lord, we pray now in these uh, times in our lives as all the priorities of all this other stuff tries to pull down so many different things. Lord, we pray right now that you would help us make you, knowing you and loving you, the highest priority of our lives. In Jesus' name, amen.